welcome to Logos Live. I'm Robert Martin, Director of the City Bible Forum in Melbourne, and I'm your host for the show. Logos is Greek for word or message. Logos Live usually engages the Christian message before a live audience in Melbourne. Yet today our show isn't being recorded before a live audience. Instead, today our show comes from Bangalore in India. So today's episode is a bit like Logos pre-recorded, but nonetheless, I'm still sure you'll enjoy what we have in store. My guest today is the Reverend PJ Matai, the President of Maranatha Baptist Bible College and Seminary in Bangalore. He established the college almost 15 years ago and has trained many hundreds of people from India and abroad in Christian leadership. And PJ joins me now. Welcome to Logos Live. Thank you. Good to be here. It's great that you can be. Now, many Australians, when thinking about India, they say that India is a very religious place. How do you react to that? That's true. India is considered to be a very religious place. I would rather say this is a superstitious place. Mm-hmm. I mean, people have a lot of uh, beliefs and superstitions, and nece- not, they are not necessarily organized beliefs in a God. Right, okay. So how does that then manifest itself, being a superstitious place? What sort of things do people do? You know, people have many practices and many beliefs that are not really or directly tied with their religious beliefs. Mm-hmm. Uh, a person can choose a god of his own choice yeah. and worship that god and and uh, attribute certain uh, natures and characters to that particular god which may not be well defined in their religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, they believe, believe that this god will bring me wealth and or this god goddess will give me some wisdom uh, and things like that. Right, okay. So how does someone choose one then? It's just whatever they would prefer? Yes. You know, of course we know that all these gods and goddesses are man-made and therefore they have the freedom to choose a god of their choice. And, you know, business people choose the god of wealth and mourning. They come to their business office or workplace and uh, do some burn some incense before that god and ask that god please help my business today give me more money and get me let me get a profit and things like that right so do the people who burn the incense do they believe that their god is real you know they say that there is a, a god or a force behind it and since their forefathers have made a form of God and attributed a certain God to certain beliefs uh, or say God of wealth or God of education, uh, God of health and things like that. So they keep on believing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would never care about verifying it or making it sure that you know there is a real God behind Right. Okay. They are not worried about it. It's just kind of what works for them. Yes. Right. Okay. So what are the different types of religions in India? Like it's a Hindu country, so there's lots of Hindus, is that right? Yes. India is actually the cradle of a uh, number of religions. Let's say Hinduism mm-hmm. was born here. Buddhism was actually born here. Mm-hmm. Gautama Buddha, Siddhartha Buddha, was he was born here. Then he went to you know Himalayas and Buddhism spread to the neighboring countries. Jainism was yep. also born here. So at least three major religions of the world uh, are born here, and people that's why people are very religious. Mm. How is that shown today? 
uh, Hinduism, you know, as a religion, major religion, today there is an awakening going on among the Hindus to revive the beliefs of uh, Hindus and uh, they are also reforming themselves. Years ago, what they did not do, they are trying to do today, like doing some charity work, starting schools and starting orphanages and hospitals and things like that. They have seen what others are doing, so they are trying to do things like that. Mm. So why, why is there a need to reform Hinduism? Uh, the reason I believe would be because others are doing and they don't want to be left behind. All right. Yes. So they say that, okay, we, if you start a school or an orphanage or a hospital, Hinduism would have a better face. There's lots of Hindus, but what about other religions? So there's also, there's also Muslims as well. Yes, in, there is a large concentration India. of Muslims here. Uh, in fact, uh, I believe that India has a second largest population of Muslims. Right. And, of course, Muslims, as everybody knows, they have their own set ways. Uh, they are divided into Shias and Sunnis and so on. And what about Christians? Are there, are there many Christians in India? Christians are just 3%. 3%. Yeah. Which is uh, still a lot of people, considering there's a, over yeah, a billion people in India, yes, I suppose. Yes, 1.23 billion people, and so 3% Christians. But these Christians are you know, concentrated mostly in the northeastern part of India. Right. Uh, and then the southernmost part of India. Uh, much of central India and north India does not have a good uh, proportionate Christian presence. Christian presence. And what about, say, atheists, agnostics, skeptics? Uh, do they comprise many people in India? I don't know exactly the percentage of atheists, but since India is a very religious and superstitious country, uh, there are very few atheists here. Right. Okay. So well, how do these different followers, how are they active in their belief? You've mentioned it before, that yes. a business person would offer some incense before the start of the day, but how... How active are these followers? Okay, now the Hindus, average Hindus, in like Christians, they don't have a particular day to go to their temple and worship. Uh, mostly the Hindus would go to the temple on a festival day. Right. Or for to celebrate something. Or if they have a, a special need or dire need, they go to, uh, uh, to an idol in the temple and burn incense and offer some flowers and offer some fruits and uh, ring the bell that hangs uh, in the temple and uh, give their devotion to God, to their, to their idol. And do many Indian people do this? Yes, a lot of Indians would do that. Is it more popular amongst older people or do the younger generations still... The younger generations are turning away from the, the traditional beliefs of the Hindus and uh, they don't care much. They may go to a temple but they are not much devoted or uh, committed to their beliefs. Uh, one reason, of course, is their education mm-hmm. and they understand that there is not much of uh, real substance in it, in it. Much of the, their beliefs are myths and mythologies and which are which cannot be scientifically uh, proved or verified or historically yeah, historically well. proved and, well. but do the hindu people realize this that they're based on myths and legends yes they have this awareness they know that what they believe is not really uh, historical or scientific or real but yet they follow in their forefathers tradition Right, they believe it anyway. Believe anyway. So what then does religion mean to the average Indian person? Religion is part and parcel of their lives. You know, they are brought up 
in a home where certain practices are there so they don't dare to deviate from that whether they believe or not it is immaterial for the younger generation hmm. but just to please their parents or their society their elders or in a in a common place they just practice certain things that's all does being religious then change the way people behave at all like the way that they care for others or the way they speak or yes i believe uh, the belief system they have have certain bearing on their day to day lives um if you went to north india you know if a person thinks that i'm an upper class hindu uh he would talk and his behavior would be different from a lower class you know hinduism has caste system yes they have the brahmins and the kshatriyas and the vaishyas and the shudras and so the upper caste would uh, his behavior his talk is always that i am above you or i am better than you so th- there is something that comes out all the time yeah so the way that they talk that reflects their caste yes and also it is sometimes shown even in schools and offices the upper caste would be respected more even though the constitution says that casteism is a crime mahatma gandhi said that casteism is is a crime but yet you know it is so prevalent in many places today mm, deeply entrenched very in deeply entrenched with the society in the society wow now pj you're not a Hindu you're a Christian believer can you tell us how that came about what convinced you to become a Christian believer you know i was actually born in an uh, eastern orthodox uh, church background All right. in a family that has the connection to the eastern orthodox we call ourselves syrian christians yep and uh, we believe that apostle thomas came to india in the very first century itself and started churches and so we belong to that denomination but i did not really know christ as my savior and lord mm-hmm. it was in 1968 i came to the to the lord through the preaching of uh, an evangelist who is uh, who was associated with uh, billy graham evangelistic association okay so i came to the lord and i received the lord as my personal savior and lord so what convinced you though to accept jesus as your i lord? don't remember exactly what was the preaching that day but i knew that i was not a real christian even though i was born in a christian family so i came forward and received christ as my savior and lord that night right so what was it about the preaching though that made you realize that you weren't a real christian i believe uh, i don't remember the text that was being preached that day but that, i knew it's okay we don't have to yeah. remember the exact the exact words <laughs> yeah but what was told that night was that you are a sinner mhm and that you need Christ and Christ alone can save you from your sins and so i believed i was just about 18 years old and i came forward and received Christ wow and that, obviously you were convinced yes i was convinced you, of the truth of god's word and you were no longer a fake believer but a real true believer yes i wanted to make that sure yeah so now you you've established a bible college in bangalore in india what motivated you to start the college why did you start the college i after my salvation i went to a bible college to study god's word and uh, i finished four years of studies and then i went to all the way to northeast india to work in a christian school and uh, i taught in a school and i learned the value of teaching 
uh, God's word there. Even though I was teaching in a Christian school, mm-hmm. I also had a lot of opportunities to teach and preach God's word in this local village there. And later on, the Lord led me to study again some more. And uh, I, all the time I saw the value of uh, teaching children or young people the word of God. And finally, when the Lord opened the door for me to go to United States and complete my education, this conviction was confirmed within me that the Lord is calling me to teach and preach God's word. And so we prayed about it and we asked uh, people and received the counsel and advice of many friends and pastors there in the States. And the Lord enabled us to start a Bible college where we can train hundreds of young people. Uh, and send them out. I believe, you know, investing in the lives of others and training them to uh, go and preach and teach God's word according to the Great Commission would be one of the best and rewarding ways. Mm. And you've enjoyed? Yes, I've been enjoying Very that. much what you do? Yes. yes. Now, you're a president of a Bible college, but also, as you said, you love teaching and preaching. Now, apparently you've been known... To preach in your sleep. <laughs> Tell well, us what happens. What happens there? I believe that uh, sometimes uh, a certain passage would be so struck in my mind, and I would be worried about it or thinking about it. And uh, you know, often it happened in my dream. I would uh, suddenly get up and and uh, quoting Bible verses and uh, or praying or start uh, shouting and preaching God's word. Now, of course, it annoys my wife, <laughs> but uh, she is so used to it. And I'm not saying that I get my messages in my dream, but it has happened many times at night. I would be really preaching. And it happened one time in the U.S., didn't it, when you just arrived? Yes, that was very strange that uh, when the day I arrived in the U.S., I was so tired. I was given a room and uh, I had a classmate with me uh, whom I did not see uh, living in that room because I went to bed early and he was out and he came in late and went to bed. And in the middle of the night, same thing happened and my friend got so scared because he didn't know what was happening and he did not see me, he did not know who I was, but only he heard that a roommate is coming and so two of us were going to stay in the same room. So it scared him so bad that uh, he got out of his bed and went outside and stayed uh, outside of the room that night. (laughs) But you eventually... Spoke yes, to him. He, he eventually settled it and said that that was not intentional, and uh, right. so yeah. he got used to it. You don't remember what you preached to him no, that I, night? I, I really don't. <laughs> Maybe you told him to idea. repent, and he he was uh, maybe. <laughs> anyway, so so PJ, you're a Christian believer, establishing a Bible college in India. What are some of the challenges of living as a Christian in India? You know, the situation is changing so fast here in this country. Uh, India is considered to be uh, the largest democracy in the world and uh, so much freedom there. But often it is only in paper. You know, the last few years uh, there has been uh, some violent incidents against the Christians and against the, you know, the pastors and evangelists and so on. So many of them have been uh, harassed and persecuted. And uh, I'm sure that some of you, you have heard, you have heard about the persecution in the state of Orissa. So we ourselves have faced some and uh, uh, 
uh, for just sharing the gospel i believe sharing the gospel is a mandate given to every believer mm-hmm. uh, and especially for those who are called to full time ministry and we cannot turn back from it and uh, so you know the preaching of the gospel would always be difficult i believe in the first century it was hard for them they suffered and so i believe a true preaching will always have you know people opposing it mm. uh, so it is it's a struggle but we thank the lord doors are still open and it is our desire to train as many young people as possible and send them to the field and you've experienced some persecution yes, yourself I, tell, can you tell us a bit about that the very first year i came to the bible college right after my conversion in 1968 we just uh, as a group of young uh, students from the bible college we went out as usual we used to go out most every afternoon to distribute tracts and booklets and uh, so one day just few days after i came to bible college uh, as i was distributing tracts uh, one big man came and uh, uh, slapped me right on the face Wow. very heavy i didn't see him coming and i didn't see him so that was my first experience second you know it happened again as during the summer uh, break we students went to north india joining with every home crusade and there uh, similar things happened to almost all of us and there you know we were pulled back and forth there were shots our shirt was torn and and whatever uh, tracts and books and booklets we had they were all burned and we were pushed out of the village and so that happened uh, and one of our team member our uh, team member who went to another place uh, was actually killed oh, goodness in north india and that was in 1970 wow so how does that make you feel uh, we were worried we were uh, frightened but you know this also helps us to understand that we are serving the lord and the lord has told us foretold us that these things would happen and so we were thankful that what word of god says is so true that we are called to suffer uh, and so suffering is part of uh, our belief part of our call mm. so but why did they persecute you why didn't they like oh, you oh they didn't like uh, our uh, sharing of the gospel uh, they didn't want to uh, do anything with christians and uh, they said this is a, a foreign religion and we don't want it and uh, that's the way usually they tell us and it's happened fairly recently as well at the bible college itself you've had similar opposition yes and uh, after we started our own bible college or maranatha baptist bible college uh, we started you know sharing the gospel and we ran a sunday school now most of the kids who came for the sunday school were from you know from hindus hindu background and muslim background and so on so we had a number of activities going on uh, sunday afternoon so this would help them learn uh, and develop skills and so on so we have competitions and learning of songs and choruses uh, things like that and so parents were actually happy uh, but then the enemy or those who were watching us our work they didn't like many kids their kids coming to this sunday school and uh, according to them uh, you know getting converted or whatever so they came as a group and uh, stopped the sunday school right and in person they in, came and uh, beat up some of our teachers 
and pushed us back and forth. And so, and then we changed our strategy to have church planting through our graduates. Now, some people say that people only believe because that is the religion they were brought up with. So people are Christians in Australia because it's a Christian country, and that the believers there would be Muslims if they were brought up in Iraq. What do you make of that? Well, you know, it is true that if you are born in Saudi Arabia, you would be a Muslim, and you would be if you are born in India, you would be uh, a Hindu, uh, and so on. But then Christ told us that you know there is no born Christian, only born again Christian. Right. So there is uh, no such a country as Christian country. Yeah, everybody come to Christ by a personal experience with Jesus Christ. Mm. And so I, of course, was born in an Eastern Orthodox church family. And uh, though I might be called a Christian by so many, I was not a real Christian. Mm. Okay, I, I received Christ as my personal savior through this evangelistic meeting. Uh, and so I believe everyone become a Christian uh, by new birth. Yes. And no one is a Christian by birth. And so when Jesus Christ said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, so you would go to the Muslims, you would go to the Hindus, you would go to all people. So there's no born Christian. No. And I suppose the very fact that there are Christians in India, which is a predominantly Hindu country, shows that that uh, relationship doesn't work. Yeah, that's right. So why do then people become Christians in India? What are some reasons? The preaching of the gospel. Yeah. The preaching of the gospel brings conviction to people. You know, it is the work of the Holy Spirit. Though we are evangelists and missionaries and pastors, it is the power of the gospel that changes people. They may seem to be so hard, but some way God's spirit works and convicts them. And everyone will not turn to Christ, but there are people who would be very unlikely to receive Christ would receive Christ when we share the gospel. I have seen that. Wow. I've heard it said that religions are all the same. What do you say to that? No. <laughs> religions, pretty clear answer, yeah. The religions are not the same. You know, that is uh, a common saying, you know, all religions are same, all religions lead to one God and so on. They are totally different. The claims of Christianity, the claims of Christ is exclusive. And uh, he said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. He alone came searching for a sinner. He alone died for my sins. And I don't find comfort or joy or happiness or eternal life or forgiveness of my sin in any other Mm. Christ alone. And when I understand that, that's the work of the Spirit in me that gives me strong conviction that Christ alone can save. When I share this with a Hindu, you know, their God's came to um, save the good people and uh, punish and judge the evil people. Christ came to call sinners to repentance. That's a drastic difference. They say their religion is a man's search and effort to reach God. But in Christianity, Christ reaches out to us. Mm. He came to the world. Well, as part of Logos Live, we do reflect on a part of the Bible, the Logos, which resonates with the experience of our guest. And today we reflect on a passage from the Gospel of John, which you've just quoted. John is one of the four biographies of Jesus' life that we have. And John 14.6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So what else do you make from this passage? 
I believe that uh, passage is the one that uh, really should bring hope and uh, uh, joy and happiness to uh, the people who never heard the gospel, especially in this country to a Hindu. You know, if you have a lot of gods to choose, they're so confused. When Jesus says, I am the way, that's exactly what people need to hear, that Christ came into this world and, he, and what he did for us. Uh, he only you know, died for our sins. He took our place. And so one doesn't have to struggle, uh, doesn't have to go to a holy place, uh, doesn't have to take a pilgrimage. And uh, there, they, all what they need to do is just admit themselves to be sinners before Christ. And, and he saves them. But isn't Hinduism more generous? It's, it can accommodate extra gods. It's got, what, 33 million gods or something, whereas Christianity can't? Yeah, it is true that uh, they, they say uh, 33 million gods and goddesses, but none of them give them the real hope uh, or forgiveness. They are still struggling to make their way to God by doing their good works, their karma, uh, to get release and uh, uh, and moksha from their their sins, and they believe that if they do very well uh, in the next birth, in the next birth they may attain something better. But that again is uh, uh, an illogical argument. Uh, this human life is the best birth, and in the next birth. They will be an animal or something else. So how can that reward them, even if they have done something good in mm, this birth? Mm, mm. So then how does Jesus being the only way to God then drive the mission of the college that you lead here in India? That is basically because of the teaching of God's word. The word of God says so, and we believe it, and we accept it. And it's not a blind belief. Christianity or the claims of Christ is proven as uh, uh, the real uh, truth uh, and that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that he is our savior. That conviction makes us to share the gospel and that is a mandate given to us by Jesus Christ that go into all the world and preach the gospel. Mm. So that makes us uh, to believe and to teach and preach that Jesus Christ alone is the son of God and he is the only way, the truth and life. Mm. So though India is a deeply religious or even superstitious place, you believe in training leaders in the Bible. Yes. Why is that? Because, you know, religion is actually a man-made rules and regulations in their attempt to reach God. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Hinduism. It lies Hinduism. And so there is no truth in that. Man can never reach God. A lost man can never reach God. It is God who himself must come and search for man. And so once we are convinced of the truth that is in the Bible and that Christianity and Christ claims, uh, Christ claims are so true, then it compels us to teach that word to others and train people to go and win the lost souls. PJ, your final thoughts. India, it's a very religious place. It is religious, but without the truth. Let me leave you with the Logos for the day. John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I look forward to you joining us next time for Logos Live. Thank you to our guest today, Reverend PJ Matai. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it.